Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, all. Dave. Yes, I am. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start our week with good thing, and a good thing, once again and always, is that Tori's intros are consistent as opposed to Dave's. And I appreciate that about you, Tori. No. You're welcome. The best part, though, is that she has to react immediately to Dave. Sometimes it's okay, but sometimes uh he catches her off yeah, guard a little bit sometimes i'm a little giggly like today all right so craig what's your good thing uh we're gonna go with the game that i've been playing recently called truck simulator <laughs> uh i probably had this as a good thing in the past but there are two really good games made by the same company euro truck simulator 2 and american truck simulator and boy did they did a great job you would think one, I don't know how to drive a truck in real life. You would think it's sort of boring, but it is not. They did an excellent job of making it interesting and getting to see the sights. Now, if you happen to be American, then playing Euro Truck Simulator 2 is a nice way of like sort of seeing a little bit of the countryside. I mean, they scale it down a little bit, but it's still neat to see some of the 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 landmarks and things like that, like as you are driving around. And um it's really neat to see that. Now, if you're European, which I know some of our listeners are, you can check out American Truck Simulator if you want to see what it looks like, at least on the West Coast of the U.S., because they're slowly making their way, making the states west to east. So uh, that game is newer, so it tends to have a, a slightly newer engine. I mean, they use the same engine, but they they typically make updates to American Truck Simulator first before they pass it on over to a Euro Truck in terms of um the way the game works and, and things like that. Is this a sequel to Desert Bus? I know, right? I was driving around in Nevada. I'm like, hey, this is just Desert Bus. But <laughs> it looks a lot better. Um, a lot better than Desert Bus. But yeah, it's. I, I think it's on sale right now, part of the big Steam sale. Although, of course, as people are listening to it, that won't be around. But these games are constantly on sale. So I do recommend checking it out. Uh, the They released the different countries and states as DLCs, usually about... 10 bucks ish, depending on what the sale is. Um, highly recommend those because otherwise you'd be stuck in either like California for American truck or Germany for Euro truck. And you don't want that. You want, you want to expand. You want, you want all of the things. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's relaxing. Just cruising around, driving a truck, making deliveries. All right. You mentioned American truck simulator and Euro truck simulator two. What about Euro truck simulator one? I, that was the first game that came out. I don't know. I think these are the guys who made the 18. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There was an arcade game like 18 ton wheeler or something. They These might be the same guys. But from what I recall, Euro Truck Simulator, I believe, was either just Britain or Germany. And it's basically how they got their start. And then they decided to make like a whole big engine and thing. So um, I don't know much about Euro Truck Simulator, but they are still updating Euro Truck Simulator 2 and American Truck Simulator. So you probably want to grab those. All right. Um, Dave, what's your good thing? My good thing is uh, some of a couple of my favorite shirts had holes in them. And a couple of weeks back, I sewed them up all by myself with like a little mini sewing kit I bought online. And I mean, I didn't do a perfect job, but all the messy stuff's on the inside. So you can't see it anyway. And after a couple of washes, the shirts are still good. No holes. Did it all myself. Fixed the holes. Now I can wear my Grateful Dead shirt. Nice. Isn't a Grateful Dead shirt more authentic if it's 30 years old and has a ton of holes in it? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's. I bought it after Jerry Garcia passed, so it's not going to be authentic anyway. All right. Well, I got it on Amazon, so it's not authentic, but I'm, it looks cool. I'm proud of your sewing endeavors, Dave. Thanks. So Dave is officially a member of the Seamstress Guild. <laughs> Dude, well, I got like level. Crafting. Did I tell you guys in FF14, my I got to level sixty Weaver without even 
like finishing the level 50 quests so like i can't couldn't actually get into the level 60 zone to get all the mats so i just bought them on auction house and did all the weaver dailies and quests and stuff and got to level 60 weaver that anyway that's some ff14 stuff which i thought you were referencing because you said weaver's guild no i said seamstress guild oh that, that was a discworld reference indeed it was oh. well final fantasy 7 came on discs and that's t- twice seven is 14. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week, because it sounds like Dave's done. Is Dave done? That's my whole point. I got done sewing and it's still good. All right, then. Uh, so my good thing this week is Watchmen, uh, the HBO series. There's a single season. It's available on Hulu, even if you don't have HBO currently, which I don't and I do uh, have Hulu. And don't have HBO. Anyway, I'm like four episodes in. It's super good. It is, uh, it's a sequel to the comic. Not the movie, the comic. And it's set in the alternate, alternate present day, uh, which would then be the future from the comic. And it's really good, you guys. I'm like four episodes in and it's fantastic. It is really good. I think that was my good thing, like, in January was when I watched that. Yeah, but, I think uh, you were waiting on, like, the season finale to air, like, that night or something. Something like that. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that, uh, because Watchmen, the comic, not the movie, is in my top ten favorite books. And uh, I really felt like they did a great job. So, So I have a question. As someone who never read the books and did not like the movie, would I like the series? You would need to read the comics first, probably. Um, Now, that I don't know. Because, yes, there were some changes to the movie, but they were subtle. Um, a couple of things... Except the in, ending. The ending was yeah. a wildly unsubtle change to the movie. Right, right, right. But um, I think if you remember the movie well enough and you just look up one of those articles of how was the movie different from the book... At, that you could watch the show and sure. it would make sense. It, I think it would be fine. Um, yeah, well, if you didn't like it, if you didn't like, I like it, it? Uh, I don't imagine you would like it. Okay. I'd still suggest reading the books first and then seeing, seeing if you like those better. Right. Because um, the book is better than the movie. Just it is. Hey, like, it's my wife have a, has a shirt that says the book was better. It is always true. That's from Scott Pilgrim, right? Sure. Um, so the the comics of Watchmen are far and away better than the movie, even even setting aside the change to the ending. Um, it's it just it tells the same basic story, but it tells it way better. Just just basic storycraft is is vastly superior in the book. So yeah, I would I would say definitely give the give the comics a shot. If then you still don't like it, don't bother with the show. It's not your it's not up your alley. But it is free right now, uh, even if you don't have HBO, um, because they um, they put it up for uh, Juneteenth um, on account of it takes place in Tulsa, and the uh, race massacre plays into the plot pretty heavily. So um, if you're not familiar with the Tulsa race massacre, you should look that up, because that's important. Yeah, that was a real thing that wasn't made up for the show. Even though it, it is set in like an alternate history, so there's a lot of stuff that was made up for the show. That one wasn't. Uh, so I think that's my good thing. Tori, what's yours? The Netflix original movie, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. <laughs> it just came out this weekend. I don't know if you've seen the previews for it, but it's about... These people from Iceland, they're sort of a band called Fire Saga. They're really bad. But the the fellow in the band, uh, whose name is Lars, he's played by Will Ferrell. His dream is to win the Eurovision Song Contest. Like, he, he just, he, it's his lifelong goal. And through a hilarious series of coincidences, they end up getting to compete in the show and um the other half of the band is played by rachel mcadams who i think is an adorable fairy woman and is great in everything that she does and i'll watch anything that she's in 
And is, is there time travel in this? No. Weird to have Rachel right? McAdams in it and no time travel. <laughs> I know, I know that that comes up a lot in her movies, but no, it it was fun. It was funny. There, the the songs were catchy, and it was just completely uh, tongue in cheek. Like they're not taking anything seriously at all, and um, I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, I think that does it for good things. So, Dave, you started a brand new book today. A brand new book. I mean, I think you actually started reading it like two weeks ago or something. No, I started reading it um, when I found it. (laughs) So I went to read it Monday or Tuesday this week and I couldn't find it. And I said to myself, I can't I, I know I put this book in a spot where I wouldn't lose it. And yet I can't find it. So I started digging through this pile of stuff that I need to sort through, like this big, messy pile in the corner of my room. Like, where's this book? Where's this book? I know I put it somewhere. Why why isn't it in this pile? It turns out it was in a box in the opposite corner of the room from my messy pile. So I had done exactly what I thought I did and needed to do, and I forgot how to interpret that. (laughs) So it's just... Yeah, I thought I was like on top of the unsorted pile, but it was actually as far from possible from that pile so that I wouldn't. It was lose it. actually sorted. Now, I'm, I just want to throw out here a previous good thing of mine was the book um, Decluttering at the Speed of Life by Dana K. That. White. Uh, and what she says is when you're cleaning, pick up an item and ask yourself if I needed this, where would I look for it first? Not where should I look for it? Like, where should I keep it if I was an organized person who actually took care of my house? But where would I look for it? And even if it's that's a, if the answer to, the, to that question is ridiculous, you put that thing there. Hmm. Yeah. Just to clarify, it's not like I have so much stuff like I'm constantly throwing things out like I don't need this. I don't I don't know what this is. I haven't used this in three years. But that little tidbit is a little distinct from, you know, the getting rid of clutter it's like being knowing where stuff is so i like it yeah to think about that very helpful for me cool good tip thank you all right and that's the end of this week's chapters nice uh spoiler time yeah i've got a lot of stuff for spoiler time so dave go away all right but wait 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 come back we forgot to do the yet. whole we forgot to do your whole part <laughs> oh yeah oh by the way the book is the alloy of law by brandon sanderson uh part one of the wax and wayne series or as i like to call it uh the mist punk era and i read the prelude and apparently there's supposed to be like a future trilogy of Mistborn as well um, that- um actually yeah let me let me get into some of the history of this book so when Brandon originally thought of Mistborn, he, he had envisioned it and pitched it as a trilogy of trilogies. So mm-hmm. there was a fantasy era that we've already read. Uh, there was supposed to be like a modern day sort of spy trilogy uh, set in the pseudo 1980s. Yeah. Uh, and then like a future sci-fi spacefaring trilogy set way later. So um, this book was never intended this book was Hmm. sort of an accident the same is true of the next two books as well which i'll get into later um he just sort of wrote this because he was bored and was trying to clear his head from probably way of kings and so he just he just wrote a book and published it on accident oops so So, originally so yeah this doesn't count as part of the trilogy of trilogy so he pulled a Bob Ross, is what you're saying. There are no mistakes. Happy I mean, basically. Um, <laughs> so yes, so originally, this was Mistborn Era 1.5, but then when he mentioned and the fans realized we're getting a whole series, not even a trilogy, a series, then it's it's Mistborn Era 2. Cool. Um, in addition... So there's going to be like a psych version? In addition... I'm sorry, go on. Uh, in addition, this... This book doesn't count for the trilogy of this era. So we're right. we're still a book out from finishing this era, which brings Mistborn from 9 originally up to 13, potentially for more if Brandon accidentally writes more books again. I th- I think there has to end up being 16. I was Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> Brandon, if you're listening, 16 is a good arc number. <laughs> I can arrange my books in a square. 
Uh, okay, so that thing when we were talking about um, Purple Eye Girl space book, uh, Starsight, but Starsight one, Skyward, Skyward, and Starsight. <laughs> and you said that that was originally supposed to be Cosmere, but he didn't want to do science fiction Cosmere. You lied. No, no, he, this was Oasis' plan. I mean, he was planning from the beginning for Mistborn to have a space thing. It's yeah, I gotcha. That, it's just that he didn't want to. He didn't want that story to fit in the Cosmere. Okay. I thought that the reasoning for that was that he didn't really want science fiction as part of the Cosmere. Nope. Okay. So Craig lied to me earlier. I might have phrased it incorrectly. I might have remembered it incorrectly. All right. I I think it's safer just to assume that Craig lied to you. What? Maybe he just mispronounced it. (laughs) All righty. Alloy of Law by Brandon Sanderson. Prologue. Oh, first title page. Uh, there are only 10 metal symbols. I'm confused already. <laughs> so they've got all the symbols for the metals, right? And, oh, I just realized something. Um, but I'll get to that when I get to it. So, yeah, on the title page, it has the icons for the different metals, and there's 10 of them instead of 16. So I'm confused. Anyway, all right. Prologue. Wax has a magic tool that steel pushes bullets out of a little chamber. <laughs> magic tool. <laughs> All right. Feltrell has been a mist wraith town ever since the Coloss moved in next door. How effective could steel pushing a bullet actually be? I get it. The alloy of law. Lessie. Waxilium Ladrian. Who's Wayne? Is he the other guy on the cover? So the corpse didn't have any blue lines going to it, but the dude was shot. I know that most people can detect, uh, can't detect metal when it's inside someone's body, but does that count when they are dead? Maybe the bullet just exited his body, or maybe he's still alive. But apparently he was shot in the side, so, and I'm not a ballistic expert, but I think it's doubtful that a 1920s era gun could enter into somebody's side, at least perpendicularly, and have an exit wound on the other side. Well, I guess he was probably shot pretty close up because he was on the roof with Lessie. But anyway, can you uh, detect metal inside of somebody's body if they're dead? That's an excellent question. I don't know. I would guess yes, but I don't know that we ever get any sort of example one way or another. I think there's a... I don't think it's instantaneous, like as soon as someone dies, like, well, you could just detect metal now. I think there's there's a period of time where you still can't for reasons which I don't want to get into right now. Okay. We well, have I mean, had death inquisitors. Death is a process, so it's not just like an on-off switch. Right, correct. So, like, that could be part of it, certainly. That's sort of what I'm thinking. Um, I guess it's cool if I, if I mention now. I, I think it also has to deal with how the body sees itself, if that makes sense to you guys. It might yep. make sense to Mike and Tori. Yeah. Cool. There you go. All right, but so shard blades work. You kill something, and then you can instantly cut it. But I guess that you're actually severing the soul with the shard blade, so maybe it's a little different than regular killing something. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a special case, yes. Okay, I got you. And I was also thinking that we've seen uh, Inquisitors die, and they've got all kinds of metal, and never was it pointed out like, oh, this explosion of blue lines came out after Marsh fell down and bumped his head. Yeah. Not that it would necessarily be mentioned, but I think it would be worth mentioning if, you know, that were the intention. Like, it would be confirmed they're dead because you can see all the lines now. Yeah. If it worked that way, which apparently it doesn't. So there you go. It seems like it doesn't. Or as you said, maybe it doesn't happen instantly. But that's we we should ask Brandon. That is a good question. If anyone's taking notes, when we go to ask Brandon questions, that should be one of them. Along with Halfbeard. And titanium, tummy, tummy, tum, tum, tum. No, we've yep. got that one. <laughs> <laughs> titanium, tum, tum. That's what it is. All right. Who's Donald? Is harmony the new swear word? Is it like the harmony of ruin and preservation? Bendeloy. I know it's probably bend alloy, but bendeloy is funner to say. No, that's correct. Prin- <laughs> it's bendeloy? Yeah. Good, because that's a lot more fun to say. Uh, Principal Skimmer. Who is Bloody Tan? Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Jorman drank, cheated at cards, and was amiable. Maybe he's the Ladrian. 
Is Rust and Ruin the new swear phrase? <laughs> <laughs> Chapel all swear phrases. Uh, Chapel to the survivor. It seemed empty. The roof is missing. Who would hang out there? But is the roof really missing? Or is there a holy mural on the ceiling? Tan is a mortician, eh? Wax gets a double headshot. GG. Oh, no. All right. Uh, okay, so where's this guy? His name is Wax. Um, so I'm starting to maybe understand why they call this the Wax and Wayne series. Gee, there's a guy I named Wax. <laughs> uh, but, but they spelled Wayne wrong, though. That's weird. What happened? All right. Yeah, and an uh, extra Y in there. So Felcho, they're in this ghost town, or as I like to call it, a mist wraith town, because Colas moved next door. So I know. mean, they it might legit be a mist wraith town for all we know. I don't know. We haven't seen any mist wraiths yet, but we've only read prologue and chapter one so far. All right, so all right, see, it's uh roughly I guess nineteen twenties, like old west kind of. I guess I think that was. I'd place it like 1890 ish. 1899. Yeah, I'd, well, I'd say more late 1800s. Pre World War One. I. I would say pre World War One. For some reason, I got 20 maybe in like the introduction. He said something about the 20s, but it's, um, I mean, technology wise, it seems to be like as the like the light bulb and the automobile were becoming it, bigger. So it's 18 late let, 1800s, 1890s. Yeah. Let me help. It's the technology of Back to the Future Three. Oh, yeah, and they they just had the new camera, right? Yep. (laughs) And the cool music. Dude, that band is so good, though. That's some jam. Crazy 88s? Sure. Wait, that was a different movie. The guy spins his drum during it. It's so good. It's ZZ Top, my dude. Yeah, it is. I generally only watch the first two Back to the Futures is. I don't know. I watch usually. I'll just watch the first one, but sometimes I'll watch the trilogy. I, I would say Back to the Future Three is the one I know least about, but ZZ Top, huh? Well, maybe you need to rewatch it for background on this book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he's got a gun, and he uses he's a steel pusher, right, or a coin shot, and he he pushes the bullets as they're coming out of the gun. Like, come on, how like how much is that actually helping? And it's, it, it's better than none. On, I disagree. I think that you're still he, adding velocity. You're adding velocity, but you're also you're also making the bullet fly crooked. Like I guess are these are these revolving rounds like uh, like a spinning bullets? I'm pretty sure that pushing on it would like mess with it somehow. Where like you would have to make sure you're pushing on it in an exact straight line, otherwise it's going to start like twirling. I think mm. that steel pushing bullets is a bad idea. I don't. Unless you're like absolutely sure you're doing it in I mean, a straight line. To counter this, he's very experienced with this. I mean, I think uh, it's mentioned he's been doing this for like what twenty years or something like that. So okay. I imagine he knows what he's doing, and he's not just like, "Let me try pushing on this." Like, and, well, I know he's obviously not doing it for the first time, but like, how good can you actually get at this, and how effective is it? But like, also, how long is a bullet actually in flight? that you can actually react to you pull the trigger, you start steel pushing. Like, what do you have? Maybe like 10 milliseconds to actually get a little steel push in there. Plenty of time. I mean, I think it's sort of like an instantaneous, like sort of instinctual thing that he does. Like, let me just add a little bit more velocity in there. Cause I people like, don't expect it. I feel like this technique is questionable, but again, I'm no ballistic ballistics expert. So, all right. So he does that. Um, I get it, alloy of law. So I'm guessing that like he's one metal and Wayne is the other metal. So they're like they're together. They're like the alloy and they're the law because they're uh, sheriffs or whatever. Not sheriffs, but they're they're lawkeepers. Or is that the right word? Lawkeeper. That that is the word. Yes, lawkeeper. Okay. So yeah. So I get it, alloy of law. That's cute. Uh, when I when I first heard the title alloy of law, I was actually I thought of law in the scientific sense. Not actually, you know, old timey West like oh the law, you know. Oh, you didn't think it was going to be a cop book? No, I thought it was going to be about alloys, but I thought it would be a cowboy book based on that. <laughs> you focus on the first word, not the third <laughs> word. All right, uh, what else we got here? Like about ninety percent of all media, yeah, this is a cop book. <laughs> what about? Hey, wait, 
The Princess first Bride. book of Mistborn, Final Empire, was a heist book. That that was Ocean's Eleven, and now we have the cop book. I want to hear Mike talk about how A Knight's Tale and Princess Bride are cop movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, All right. So we got Alloy of Law. All right. So we also have Lessie, who is uh, Wax's significant other. Um, it's apparent throughout the chapter, but then confirmed, you know, at the end of the chapter. Uh, so Wax's full name is actually Waxilium Ladrian. First of all, Waxilium is, uh, I don't want to say anything because I, one of our listeners might be named Waxilium. So I'm not going to say anything about that. But his last name is Ladrian, which I believe was Breeze's name. So I'm guessing that he is a descendant of Lord Ladrian Acabreeze from the original Mistborn trilogy. I would Correct. say that is a good guess. All right. And then they also mentioned another guy named Wayne, who I'm guessing is the guy with the But who was the goggles. mom? Who is the mom? Yeah. No, you, you did say Alorin, didn't you? No. Oh. And I well, think you mean Alrien. It's Alrien, <laughs> a.k.a. that pink thing. That pink, <laughs> pink thing. All right. Yeah. So we got also they mentioned Wayne. We haven't met him yet, but they mentioned Wayne. Uh, we talked about the blue lines in the corpse. Uh, Donald is some, some like gang lord or something. There's a little bit of a turf war going on here. Uh, Wax is chasing down another villain uh, named Tan or Biff Tannen. And this is Back to the Future. <laughs> it's Man face Tannen. Down Man Talk Tannen. Uh, or Bloody Tan. Anyways. So so what we're saying is when we do the cast list, Bloody Tan has to be played <laughs> by uh, the guy who plays Biff. Right. Uh, I forget what Bendeloy is. I think there's an Ars Arcanum that you can take a look at. It's a metal or possibly an alloy. I honest to God don't know. Okay. It's it's an alloy of cadmium. Cadmium? Sure of that. (laughs) No, cadmium. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Cadmium. There are a couple of interjections that Wax uses here. One of them is harmony, which I suppose is like the harmony of ruin and preservation is the god of this world right now. Maybe still say Zed. And That's a good guess. So it's it's harmony, and I'm not sure what Rust and Ruin are, is. Maybe that's like Bloody Hell. I don't know. Excuse my French. That is a good guess. <laughs> or as Chet would say, "What the bloody frick?" I mean, Craig. All right, uh, Principal Skimmer. <laughs> uh, so. Wax is not only a coin shot, but he's also a skimmer. That is, he can use uh, ferrochemical iron so he can store his weight. And he usually goes about at like three quarters weight because it makes him more nimble. And he's what they call a twin born. That is, he has an allomantic power and a ferrochemical power. So you remember that whole thing Lord Roller was trying to prevent? Other Lord Rollers? Yep. Well... There are a couple of things. One, Lord Ruler was a full Mistborn, so he had access to all 16 medals. Yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. apparently, Farukami comes at, you just get one in Farukami. And so, like, back in Era 1, it seemed like all the Farukamists were all 16. Correct. At least the ones that we met. And uh, here, it seems like Farukami is, you just get one. But so, so them things are different, but I'm just talking about the combination of Farukami and uh, Alamancy. Yeah. In one person. But that isn't I mean, the Lord Roller. It might be partly because of Seizet. He's like, that's too much power for one person. We're we're not letting that happen anymore. <laughs> and unlike Lord Roller, Seizet's actually in a position where he can enforce those things. Although I don't remember. Did he make Spook a Mistborn at the end of the trilogy? That's, that sounds kind of familiar. He did. Okay. Yep. All right, I thought so, and we're I'm actually going to mention that again in Chapter 1. But All right, so we got Principal Skimmer, Bloody Tan, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. That's because I wrote that because it's funny and because <laughs> Wax likes to store his uh, metal reserves in the little vials and he keeps whiskey in him to, to drink them down, which I appreciate. Uh, and then, so he sees this guy, Giorman who uh, is not important. He, but anyway, he was like kind of killed and made a spectacle of by Biff Tannen. Uh, we got Chapel to the Survivor. So there's this empty abandoned chapel and the roof is missing. And 
for some reason, Wax is like, we're go- how come nobody's in here? And I'm like, gee, maybe it's because the roof is gone. Like, <laughs> uh, or maybe he's expecting to see Tan. But anyway, Tan uh, does show up, and he's first of all, they call him Bloody Tan, which honestly, I think would be a pretty good name for a, a him allergist, Bloody Tan. Um, but not this guy because he's about to get shot in the head. Uh, but he also has Lessie with him. He's holding her captive. And now, like, they, Lessie and Wax kind of had this agreement where, you know, they knew that people would try to use them against one another and hold them hostage. But, like, they've talked about this situation before, and Wax doesn't, you know, hesitate to, uh, to try and shoot Tan. But, uh, Tan's got a garrote on Lessie's neck and moves her. As Wax is shooting, and Wax inadvertently shoots Lessie in the head, and then immediately shoots Tan in the head as well. And that's the end of the prologue. What a start. So this is our second prologue in a row where people get dead. Well, in uh, in Way of Kings, oh, I'm thinking of the prelude. Yeah, in the prelude, people get dead, but they come back. But in the prologue, yeah, Daddy uh, King dies. More specifically, dead at the hand of our viewpoint character. Yeah. I guess Seth was the viewpoint of the prologue, yeah. Well, the point of the prologue was also to set the stage too, because you get the you get to see the magic system in use, which is what he likes to show off in the prologue. You gotta show off that steel pushing, especially when you push bullets. So tell me about chapter one. Uh so as I was picking the book back up and just flipping through it, getting ready for the recording today. I noticed that the one of chapter one is actually a big old spike. It's a big old spike. Wonder if that's significant about anything. Or wait, wait, was it maybe? Hang on a second. It isn't anymore, dude. I know it's the prologue. The prologue has a big old spike. Okay, I thought maybe ruin was uh, messing with my book again. All right, chapter one. Only five months later. That's not much of a prelude. Electricity hype missed. So, like, Set Mansion would be his cousin or something? A bullet casing isn't a clip. If Wax's iron <laughs> mines fill up, he's going to be screwed. Wax quits the party to go buy some new guns. They have cars, too? Mythological Mistborn. All of the twin-born combinations have names? Memorizing them isn't that impressive. How many are there? 256? That's less than a third of the number of Pokemon. <laughs> And I actually did look up the number. It's over 800 right now. I thought it was going to be like 500. Wow. Uh, I don't know any of them after Gen 1. All right. Uh, And a coin shot plus a skimmer, which is what wax is, is called a crasher. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I just want to throw in, since you mentioned Pokemon, uh, one of my friends has two little boys. Uh, One of them is, I think, second grade. And the other one is, I don't know, maybe four years old, four or five years old. And uh, he, the the little five-year-old was making up Pokemon, you know, drawing pictures and making them up. And older brother, the elementary aged one, was just so upset because those aren't real Pokemon and they don't exist. And so mom and dad had to sit him down and explain what fan fiction is. And I just thought, <laughs> you know, these are the things our parents didn't have to deal with. <laughs> so... Uh... So kids these days are making up Pokemon and drawing pictures of them. But when I was a kid, the thing to do was to make up Mega Man bosses yes. and draw pictures of them. I was about to say, <laughs> I, did, I came up with Dustman before the game came out. That was my idea. <laughs> okay, um, with, with over 800 to to go from, what are the chances that the, the four-year-old actually like successfully accidentally made a correct pokemon chances are pretty good i'd say anyway sorry to derail the uh discussion dave yeah he probably made a frozen yogurt pokemon and his older brother was like there's no frozen yogurt pokemon that's an ice cream pokemon true i made up chocolate man that was my no frozen yogurts all in the afterlife (laughs) uh dust man that that was mega man 4 so you must have done that pretty early which you should have submitted one for Mega Man 6. Wasn't that... Weren't the Mega Man 6 bosses actually all fan-made? I don't fan know. submissions? All right. Uh, where was we at? Cave Story Machine Gun. One point for Commissioner Gordon. I get that reference. 
Commissioner Gordon? I hope no, a lot of no, get the K Story machine gun. So not only is there a Commissioner Gordon, there's also an Alfred. And finally, it's time to give up law enforcement and become Bruce Wax. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Chapter one. So this is five months after the fateful day of Lessie's death. And Wax is goes back to Ellendell, his hometown, and he's supposed to find a wife and take over his family's estate and he's at a party at set mansion so like if uh, if breeze and Alrian, you know were the couple uh ancestors of um of wax then the sets would be related to him they'd be like cousins they were gnorden like cousins or something gnorden yeah it could be gnorden's children yeah this should make them Depending on how many generations. I mean, very, very distant. Yeah. Tenth, tenth cousins or whatever. But yeah, I mean, not that closely related, but the sets and the Ladrians are presumably both go back to Ashweather, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they've got electricity and there's mist, but only sometimes. And uh, real quick, I want to cover this. I believe we talked about. When you use Allomancy, it lets you see through the mist better. Not just tin, but any kind of Allomancy lets you see through the mists uh, partially. Is that true? That was true in the original trilogy. Okay. Which might actually mean that being a a misting that can burn aluminum, there there is actually a very slight function to that now. Because you can (laughs) burn aluminum. Yeah, until you start burning the aluminum and it all goes away instantly. You get like one second of seeing through the mist a little bit, and then you have to drink more aluminum. Does aluminum destroy itself when you burn it? I don't think it, it only destroy uh, the other metals. Well, let me check. I can check while we talk. All right, while you check, so we got uh, so wax uses his bullet casings to you know jump around town. Kind of like how they used coins back in Mistborn Era 1. And the coins that they used were called clips. And a bullet casing and a, cl- and a clip are both ammunition terms, but they're not quite the same thing. So I'm a little disappointed but because I, I wanted to try to make a pun there, but I couldn't really because a clip isn't the same thing as a bullet casing. But oh well. And yeah, so Wax, like we said, he is a principal skimmer and he fills up his iron mines, but there's a max capacity to the iron mines, right? Like once they get full, they're full and you can't add more. Is that correct? Correct. But it's based on like how much metal is actually in the thing. And he's using like some pretty sizable bracers. So yeah, the bracers are mentioned in this chapter. Okay. And he's got money. Well, that's not true. It's family's broke because his uncle uh his uncle invested in jack-o'-lanterns in november but he can he can afford to buy some new iron bracers okay he's he's fine on that front i'm guessing that he understands how much he can store in there too but like it's got to feel really weird for him when he has to switch bracers or something and he's poor he's poor in rich people terms but he's not eating ramen okay all right so wax leaves this party and he just he wants to go around and he jumps around the town kind of like the mistborn used to but he's not a mistborn and this is kind of interesting because back in kelsier and vin's time only really only the mistborn would go around town the, the normal steel pushers wouldn't uh but there are a couple of differences here one there's not as much mist as there was back then and the other thing is that Wax is also a skimmer, so he can move around more easily by reducing his mass with the iron mines. So it's a little different, but he's he, he he's trying to be a Mistborn, but he's not. I and Mistborn the, I th- are apparently I th- mythical. I think the main concern here is landing. Yeah, yeah we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, on, like so, the... so he's sort of getting around like an inverse Spider-Man. Like, it's not you're pushing off of things instead of attaching a web. But, you know, it's like the same. Like, the reason that regular coin shots weren't doing this isn't that they couldn't. It's that you could do it once. 
Yeah, there wasn't a lot of metal. Oh, that's just true. Yeah, that's a good point because um, no, I think the point is that they didn't have guns, so that they couldn't. Well, they could throw coins down and push off of them. Yeah, but if you but get it was... slightly wrong, you're done. Yeah. All right. Well, but we're we're getting to that the whole landing thing. I have a bullet point for it. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, Tori, you were supposed to make that joke. All right. Bullet points because we have guns now. All right. Uh, so, so real quick, so I looked up the article on Duralum. Duralumin. Uh, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> and I assume it works the same as aluminum, where it's not completely consumed like the other metals that it affects. It just sort of does a steady rate like when someone's burning, you know, steel or something like that. Yeah, we knew that, but that's not aluminum. I imagine it works the same way. It could. It's not like you when you when you burn duralumum. <laughs> That that it also enhances itself. Like, How come you can say titanium tomatum? I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, so I just want to let people know this isn't a bit. This is this is Craig <laughs> legit can't pronounce things. Like it's sort of a bit in that we keep you know making fun of him for it, but this is a real thing. He's legitimately trying to pronounce these things correctly and not doing it. So <laughs> give me give me cadmium one more time there, Craig. No, I can say cadmium. I just looked well, it sure, up. Sure, you can now. Cadmium? <laughs> you thought I said cadmium? You did say cadmium. Meow. <laughs> 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 we got more chapter. So they also have automobiles here, and I did a little. I did a little looking this up, and so the timeline, and obviously the 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 tech tree of Scadrial isn't necessarily the same as Earth, but uh, on Earth. We had the the electric lights existed in 1835, but they were still trying to work out the kinks. Edison patents the light bulb in 1879, and the automobile is invented six years later in 1885. So I, it checks out. It's pretty similar to Earth. They would have uh, electric lights and automobiles pretty close to the same time, and they'd both be pretty new. So and I think railroads. it's safe for me to say. We have there aren't any railroads in this book. I haven't read about any railroads. Yes, you have. Uh, yes, you have. One, they, they one of the we mentioned a train in chapter one, uh, and in the prologue, one of the like people who died had robbed a had robbed a train. I thought that was an expression. <laughs> Why would they an, have that expression? An expression for that? what? Like, what does that mean besides robbed a train? I don't know, like, oh, uh, he hit that one out of the park, but they don't have baseball, something like that. Gotta so... drop the kids off at the pool. <laughs> I, I feel like cars... Actually, the well of ascension. <laughs> I feel like automobiles and cars are sort of an extension of, you know, it's the internal combustion engine, which makes it possible, which is sort of an extension of how trains were first um, powered and moved. It's sort of like you shrink it down, you eventually get car. Shrinkium. Yep. All right. So anyway, the technology makes sense. Um, and it doesn't, again, necessarily have to adhere to the real life tech tree in on Earth. And apparently uh, Mistborn are mythological these days. There are mistings and there are people with uh, ferrochemical power, but most people in fairings. OK, yep. uh, this, that just means iron. So. <laughs> I can say that Brandon Sanderson's intention was that Mistborn is supposed to be the most Earth-like in terms of, like, technology. Okay. Uh, so, at least from Wax's perspective, what he knows, that the most anyone can have is one alimantic metal and one ferrochemical metal. Like, that's the most powerful anybody can be. From Wax's perspective, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and this type of person, again, is called a twinborn, and his buddy Wayne, whom we've heard of but haven't met yet, uh, has claimed to memorize all of the names of all of them, and, like, probably there aren't me there aren't as many of them that are worth noting, because, like, six presumably there's 16 alimantic metals and 16 ferrochemical metals, so the, the max number of combinations would be 256, right? So, but like, you got to figure an eighth of those are aluminum or duralumin. So, like, who cares? Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> but apparently, and, they have a name anyway. So, parent, well, got to catch them all, man. It's presumably, but anyway, he's like, "There's no way you memorize all those names." But I, it's not that many. 
in the grand scheme of Pokemon. 256. That's not that many. Does Wayne have, like, a sticker book with a type chart? <laughs> this type I, eats I'm this looking type. forward to meeting yes. this guy. I don't know. If anybody does, Wayne does. Yeah, uh, you are looking forward to meeting him. He's amazing. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dude, also, life advantage, man. Oh, there are two. Uh, referring back to the mythological Mistborn, the, he refers to the survivor, which is Kelsier, and he also refers to someone named the Ascendant Warrior. And I'm just going to straight up ask who that. Because it could be... That's why, don't, why don't you give us a guess? My first guess would be Vin, because she visited the Well of Ascension, so she would be Ascendant. Uh, my second guess would be uh, Blindfold Kid, Spook. Uh, Spook has a different mythological name, but that that's Vin. Vin, okay. Because she was also called the Lady Heir, so I guess she just got a different title somewhere down the line. Yeah, she's both. Okay. But yeah, I also, this, this was actually the point where I remembered, hey, Spook was a Mistborn too, wasn't he? I, I bet he's done some stuff. All right, uh, so we get the name Crasher, one of 256 names for uh, Twinborns. All right, so have you guys ever played Cave Story? And Cave Story, which is a phenomenal game, I'm sure I've mentioned it as a good thing, at least the soundtrack before. There's a machine gun, and if you shoot downward with the machine gun, you actually start to float upward, or you can descend more slowly and it's basically what wax is doing here with his starion he's just he shoots down at the ground and the recoil from shooting down at the ground you know gives him a little bit of upward momentum and again he's he's uh skimming so he doesn't that's the only reason he can pull that off yeah and then so he shoots down at the ground and then he kind of i think he has to do it kind of like a little spread so that he can get an even push on all of the uh, bullets and casings that land on the ground, right? So that he can gently land. And that's how he lands as a non-mistborn. No pewter, no iron, just steel and iron. So it's a, it's a powerful combination. Yep. Apparently. So he's, he's just going around. He's prowling around. He's basically trying to be Batman. I mean, that's kind of the, the vibe I got from half of chapter one was he was going around trying to be vigilante and he he hears a commotion and he goes up to these thugs and he has a chance to take him out with his gun. But he's still uh, this is the first time he's really seen action since Lessie's death. And he's still too shaken up by the event and he hesitates here. And then so he like kind of jumps off the side. OK, I've, I've got this. And he goes back in to shoot the guy. But the uh, constables show up and they take him down before wax can get another opportunity to shoot at him and he reassures himself that he would have really taken the shot this time but yeah he's a little uh he's still traumatized by what happened before which again only five months have passed and it was a pretty big deal so then he's like well the constable's got it and then he goes back and uh sneaks back into the window of his bedroom and his butler uh, Tillamay shows up and he's like, I hope you didn't shoot anyone important. And Tillamay doesn't approve of the vigilanteing and he reminds Wax that uh, he's responsible for the jobs and well-being of over a thousand people of his household and that the constables have their job to do and that they're, they're capable of doing their job. And so, uh, so Wax packs up his pistols and his mist cloak and tells his butler to go hide them away. And that's the end of chapter one. So All right. what did you think of the book? What book? This book. How was it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. All right. Words of Radiance is next. Mike, did you have a question? Uh, I was actually wondering if Dave had any other questions that we hadn't uh, dealt with yet. I actually have a question for Dave. Go on. I would like you to Phrase mention... it as a question. Is this a question? Hey Dave, can you <laughs> can you name all of the references that you can think of relating to the first Mistborn trilogy that you see? You can Cola. even use the map that is in the beginning of the book. The Demo Boulevard, Ellendel, Colas, Set House. I was more talking about the names, but sure. Colas can count as well. Um Doxanar, Sea of Yeoman, sounds kinda like Yeoman. Far Dorist. <laughs> what is that? It sounds like a spoonerism of Dar Forest. Far Durst. <laughs> True metal. Nah, I don't know. There's a bunch. 
Yeah, the, this one. first chapter is basically, hey, remember all these names from the first trilogy? <laughs> you have, you you remember, right? You remember? So, you should remember. So you have to understand, guys, the reason I really enjoy the Mistborn series is is how well this is pulled off. Like, time has passed from the first book, but it feels natural that things would be named after key members from the original series because they had yeah. such a big effect. Like having all of these names, but be slightly different because time has passed and, you know, language has shifted a little bit. Like I love the little bits and references like, Hey, remember these important people. And it's really cool how they're honored in some way. It just feels real. It feels like time has passed, but this also feels very natural for a thing to happen. Yeah. So I have a question for Mike. Go or Dave. on. Either of you can answer because I actually don't remember. But uh, can refresh my memory who Felt is. Uh, Felt was one of the guards of uh, Ellen's house that I'm blanking okay. on at the moment. Venture. Venture. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, he was yeah. he was one of the guards of House Venture. But he uh, he joined the group, right? The um, Vin's crew. Uh, I want to say he was the. Sp- he was like the person that in book one, Ellen had go spy on Vin's carriage. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember now. And like by book three, he's still on team Ellen. But... I mean, he has to be. He has a, a, a thing named after him. Um, the, what was it? City or something? Felt, Feltrol? Yeah, I don't Feltrol. remember. Yeah, I thought that name seemed familiar, but I wasn't sure. Or I thought it might have been a Warcraft reference to. To work. <laughs> All right, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are getting up on an hour of recording time, so we need to kick you off soon. Do you have any questions for us? Mm, what's a battle? Bye, Dave. I believe you said, what's that rattle? All right, bye. Bye. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And we're in spoiler town. No, baby. So, just to start off, uh, Lessie. You guys remember Lessie? Yeah, I remember Lessie. Well, I don't know, remind me. She got shot she's in the head, now. but she's not dead. Right. She was uh, not dead at the time. The thing that really stood out to me, because this is the first time I've reread it since I finished the existing Era 2 stuff, is uh, Bloody Tan's speech about how, you know, we're puppets and we're being controlled. And it's like, yeah, Harmony is playing wax like a fiddle here. Well, so, okay. So the way Harmony works, though, is that he doesn't directly control people. I mean, he he directly controls his Chandra because they're his his like servants. His those really are his puppets. But yeah, he's but forcing, he needed, he's forcing yeah. Wax to do what he wants. But he's not. Yeah. OK, I guess I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, just reading over Bloody Tan's speech, right. knowing what comes later. It's like, uh yeah, He's that, that dude knew what he was talking about and then used that knowledge to murder people. So maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. It's He's not okay. Bloody Tan is not okay in the head. What I do like is how Lessie mentions that she has some cousins that only have four toes. And true. I mean, she's a Chandra, so yes. I'm sure yeah. they, they have some weird-toed people because they can get away with it. On reread, I assumed that she was A, telling the truth, and B, talking about a Chandra. Absolutely. So this is, for those of you who are still slightly lost, this is Palm. She's sort of the antagonist in book two, Shadows of Self. Um, there's, it's a big deal kill... that she comes back because she's a Chandra. And Wayne has to kill her twice because... Wax has to kill her twice. Sorry, Wax has to kill her twice because Brandon can't have a protagonist that he doesn't, you know, put the maximum amount of torture to. And legit by shooting, no less, in the in the second book. Yeah, almost he exactly the same way. Like, the it, if this were put to film, you would basically just reuse the footage from from the prologue for the for right. the finale of book two. So at this point in time, she's still an agent of Harmony. And this is probably what causes her to go crazy in the first place. 
because uh, CZ makes her kill herself in order to force Wax to leave and return back to Ellendale. This is what, you know, Tori was talking about. So this was his plan because Wax is not paying attention to the letters and stuff sent to him. And this is more of a direct, you need to go back. Stuff needs to be done over there. I need you. It would have been so much easier if Seizet just talked to him. Like, he he has a chat with him later on. Like, come on, Seizet. You could just be like, hey, could you please go back? Thanks. But no, he makes Lessie kill herself, which is some psychological torture, and that has affected Wax. Well, and it's a bit like you mentioned a, a moment ago. Like, he's Harmony is really trying not to interfere. Right, yeah. But there's stuff he needs done. Yeah. So it's it's probably that fine line that he has to walk being both preservation and ruin. So being the combination of them is not easy for Seizet to get stuff like this done because he he refuses to make to remove choice from people. Like he doesn't want to be that kind of shard, but yeah, he 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 needed wax to do other things and I feel like this is like the worst possible way, but here we are. Oh, dude so Dave didn't mention it, but we do get mention of Marsh here in the prologue. Yeah, I, I didn't want to sure, Yeah, I'm not sure if Dave picked up on it or not. It's not that big of a deal, but like I felt like Dave should have caught on to that. He should have caught on that it was talking about an inqu- death is an inquisitor, well, and Marsh only... is the only one who survived. Yeah, there's only one left at the end of the of the first trilogy. Thankfully, we're gonna see him during the epilogue, I believe. Yeah. yeah, he shows up in person in this book. So that's cool. That'll be a be a good name drop. He is Marsh is death, and that is so cool that that is what what he became like mythologically speaking. And he doesn't really mind it too much, or at least that's what I've heard from word of Brandon. And he's also not like going around murdering people, as far as I know. So not no, super sure why they think of him as death. That's it's probably because of how inquisitors were in the past, like they're. They're agents of destruction, so therefore death. Like, it's just sort of what the stories have become. I can't wait for Dave to meet Wayne. Can't (laughs) can't wait for it. Yeah, he's he's a favorite. Because if if any of these characters existed in real life, I feel like Dave and Wayne would hit it off so well. They they have that quirky, like, humor and and oddballness. I, I could see it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Dave getting to getting to see the different religions that have come around. Yep, that's fun too. Um, like Wax is for sure, definitely not a survivorist. He's right. uh, what's what's his specific religion? He's I know, a, I know he worships Harmony, but Pathian. Pathian. There we go. The path of Harmony. Except that the Pathians all insist that they don't actually. It's not a religion. We're we're not. Nope. We don't have so, a religion. It's just a thing. So I feel like the real world analo- um, analogy to it is Pathians are sort of Buddhists. Like that's sort of what it is. It's a very Buddhist type religion, whereas the Church of, of the Survivors is very much a like Christian type. Set. Yeah, I got like early Catholicism vibes from it. Yeah. Um, and there's others as well, but those are the two yeah. that stand out. Because Satan would like everyone to be able to practice what they want. But let's face it, Kelsier made the religion happen. Survivors were going to happen. Survivors. So the Pathians just, you know, every so often when they feel like it, put in this special fancy earring and just think about stuff for a little bit. They're having a chat with Sezed. He just doesn't react. With with their (laughs) fancy earring. The fancy earring, yeah. That's just an earring. Totally just an earring, guys. Super normal. Definitely not Vin's earring. I don't think I don't think and, his earring. Is yeah, actually no. In, in this case, it isn't. It's a it's a repurposed Inquisitor spike. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing special. Like I, I think it's flat out mentioned that it's a spike. Like when it's first brought up. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just pointing out that it serves basically the same purpose as Vin's earring in the first trilogy, and it should be an immediate red flag to to Dave that hey, there's something going on here. Pay attention. Well, the, isn't that when he prays? Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that part in the book. Um, and let's see what something else. Something else from the prologue I had. Uh, so Vin is the Ascendant Warrior. Yeah. Um, Spook is Lord Mistborn. Right. Who else has a special fancy title left over? Didn't Ellen get Ellen something? Ellen does, but I don't think they mention him. 
He's just Alan. Do- like they named the city after him, but I can't remember what his title was. And and I think they referenced Lord Roller at some point as well. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and I've got I've got nothing, and I don't want to look it up. I kind of want to I kind of want to be reminded by the book. Death. We have death. Oh yeah, we have death, death as March Harmony. Who is Sayzed? Who I still Lord. think is trying to like pass on his shards to Wax. You think you think Marsh wants to give all of his shards away? Sayzed. Marsh doesn't have any shards. Oh, I was thinking spikes. I was confused. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay. You think Sayzed wants to not be a shard hole? I think that Sayzed realizes that since he considers um, ruin and preservation to be two separate powers that don't mesh well together, that he is, as long as he's the shard holder, going to be limited. If he passes it on to someone else, someone like Wax, who doesn't see them as two separate powers, but just sees them as, as one combined shard of harmony, then he won't face that, that same issue. And I think the end of book three was Sazed offering Wax a job. I've said this before. I know you said it. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced. I feel like Sazed could figure it out, or at least the intents would, uh, would force themselves on him, but... I mean, it also makes sense that there is definitely connection being formed between Wax and Sazed and everything he's going through, both a little bit of preservation, a little bit of ruin. Although I think I think Wax himself has said he's more ruined than preservation, or at least the way he seems to act and the things he gets involved in. Um, I will say that since these books weren't part of the original plan, I think it's way more likely that um, Era 3 now, uh, the the 1980s spy setting one uh is is a more likely time for Sazed to pass on his shards the cyber mess theory sure i don't know that that's what they're called but sure we got fantasy punk steampunk and then we have cyberpunk the the genre not not the game okay um but yeah i i think that's i don't see Sazed still being around for era 4 basically i'm i'm hold, i'm being optimistic i feel like he can make it I feel like it would be weird to like always have a Mistborn series and just you and the shard something happens to the shard holder. Like that's just an expectation. Like I feel like he doesn't want to repeat that sort of story all the time. Fair enough. But yeah, I'm I just thinking it's going to happen for this one, but like uh, Era Three specifically, we're just getting we're just getting it foreshadowed here. And I, I know Toria has mentioned this, but Bloody Tan talking about how they're all puppets is was a little creepy. But is he talking? Is he talking about Sazed controlling people, or is he also referencing this unknown trell that we don't find out more about until book two? I think we need to wait for the last book of this tri- of this uh, to see what trilogy. Bloody Tan yeah. was talking about to to get confirmation one way or another. If we don't get trell. anything in the Lost Metal, then I think we can assume that he figured out about Condra. Sure, and assumed that that like. Maybe he like overheard a Condra talking and complaining one day. <laughs> that's that's really the best I've got. Right. Um, but how true it was that Lessie was a Condra and she was being puppeted. Um, crap. What, what was I going to say? Oh, Trell. Trell. The, the, the common theory is that Trell is an avatar of uh, autonomy and that she's up to something against Scadrill because, you know, she doesn't like the fact that President preservation and ruin have been combined uh, that is no bueno at least that's that's the fan theory there's a small chance that trolls also odium instead but what that assumes of... he got away from roshar he super duper will at the end of book five guaranteed well it's it, unless it's someone else holding the odium shard well you said odium you didn't say race that's true yeah i did say that uh what are the themes of this book i don't have anything Black. ready yet um, I'll I'll work out more as we read. But what would you what would you say off the top of your head are the themes for this one? Or are you also? I'm not, not sure yet, but probably something to do with the law. Yeah, I'm gonna hold my answer for that. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I have anything yet. See, Sorry, Craig. What'd you What'd you say? I said we're gonna have to wait and see. Okay. Well, I'm about out of stuff. Uh, you wanna go? You guys wanna end this one? I have one more thing. Of course you do. Uh, the original intention, and I didn't want to mention this with Dave yet, um, the original intention of Wax was that he would be an, a steel savant. But I'm not sure exactly when, but Brandon changed his mind. I don't know if it was after the first book 
Um, but you can sort of see references to what he was originally going for with the fact that he has the steel bubble. And I think the original intention was that because Wax was a steel savant, he can make these weird like steel bubbles and stuff. But then he realized that being a savant for uh, an elementic, well, being a savant for anything really like affects you because of how much investiture you channel. Like it affects the body in some way. So he didn't want Wax to be completely like affected that way so wax is not a steel savant but originally he was planning to be a steel savant so this is a straight up retcon yes like he did he had this plan originally he changed it after the fact this is a retcon right so you're gonna see references that seem like this is unusual for a steel pusher to have but eventually it becomes like th- this is sort of just what you can do with steel if you're just skilled with it but not a savant so keep keep eye an eye out for for things like that. But like I noticed it with the steel bubble, how he mentioned he just sort of figured out how to be able to do that someday and how he pushes on the bullet, which I agree with Dave. It doesn't really make much sense. But I think, again, those are supposed to be references that he was supposed to be a steel savant. Well, if if Wax is lining up his gun to be like perfectly directly away from his body with the shot, then it can work. And presumably he has trained himself to do that so that it can work. Yeah, I, I feel like it can work, but I feel like it's it's like Dave said, it's not really worth it. It adds a little bit of extra velocity if you're doing it correctly. Honestly, it makes more sense when they start using Renette's special case bullets. Like those make sense because they do different things based on how an Alamancer responds to those. Like those are cool. Well, what if his gunpowder sucks and it doesn't have much oomph to it Maybe. on its own? I mean, we are talking like late 19th century guns, so I don't know how fast or accurate those were. Probably not either. Like compared to a modern handgun, sure. Right. Com- compared to modern modern weaponry with like, you know, correct ratios of chemicals, gunpowder, as opposed to whatever wax can get out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, the only other thing I want to say is I'm I'm sort of happy to be back on schedule. I missed allomancy pun it's intended such a fun you missed it system. yeah i missed it it's such a fun magic system though and and how it mostly overall makes sense and i like that we have this like we, we have stormlight archives and although we have you know the surge binders it's just and well the surge is whatever it there's still we don't know a lot about it and exactly how they work we come back to this world and it's like all right we know the different metals. We have an idea of what they do, basically, and how they interact. We can have fun with this. There is physics here. I like that. Yeah, I would say that Stormlight feels way more magical at the moment. Like, sure. it, the magic system feels like magic, not well-defined, known rules that work this way and only this way. And, yeah. Yep. That's fun times. I'm looking forward to seeing what Dave uh, thinks of it. All right. I'm going to call it here. So, bye, everybody. Yep. Good bye. night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.